Okay, before I start tonight, I want to qualify for you, just make sure I get this right. Um, years ago, I started, as I read through my Bible every year, and you read through Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Those are, those are books that deal with the failure of Israel, but they're all packed together. They're called the major prophets. Why are they called major? Because they're big. The books are big. They're not small. The smaller prophets, they, they're considered minor prophets. When you talk to them in heaven, they may not think that way, but... We classify them as a minor prophet. There's 12 of them. And so there's uh, these major prophets that write these long books. And I've been talking long books. Some of them chapters are 10 minutes. And there's 52 chapters in Jeremiah. And there's 48 chapters, I believe, in Ezekiel. And there's five chapters, I think, in Lamentations. There's 66 chapters in Isaiah. And there's some of them chapters are long. Not all of them, but some of them are long. It takes a while to read. That's a big hunk of the Old Testament. So by the time you finish reading through them, man, you, and I said, Lord, what, I, I want to get something. I want you to give me something out of these books. I mean, uh, beside the fact that Israel's disappointed you and sinned and backslidden and didn't live up to what they should have and all this other why? What happened? What happened to him, Lord? So I began to read through and looking for that. And I saw what were, were uh, the series called Divine Lies. And Jeremiah and Ezekiel both talk about false divination, divine lies. There's always been, there always will be a lot of false teaching out there. A lot of false teaching. You've got to be able to discern what's real, what's not real. And if you're new in the faith, you're vulnerable to making mistakes. That's why you should stay with the King James Bible and stay in an independent fundamental church and interpret that Bible literally and be careful, okay? So turn my lights off, people. Uh, that would be the first two switches. No, that, no. Turn it on. There you go. That's good. Is that better? Easy for you to read? So I, I came up with 15, 15 commonly known divine lies, spiritual lies, okay, you could call them. But there were the, as using the terminology of Ezekiel and Jeremiah, divine lies. And so we, we dealt with two last week. We'll deal with a few of them this week and go on until it's over. There's 15 of them. The world's music can be used to worship God. Now, let me also qualify this. I'm not going in a big, long uh, effort to prove what I say is so. I'm giving you the mountaintop statements because I've spent, I did five sermons on a series on just this one subject. So I spoke for uh, two and a half hours just on that one subject at this church, and so what I'm doing is just giving you some of the things quickly so we move along. I don't want to bog down on this. So the world's music can be used to worship God. God does not like, and he despises, and it's an abomination to him to use the worship music of the world in church. That's what his ch children of Israel did. They picked up the worship of the gods around them and inculcated it with, incorporated it with worship of Jehovah. And he told me, he says, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your, your praises. I don't want your songs. They're insulting, insulting me by bringing, by, by bringing those false 
religions and false teachings into the God of all truth. And I think you'll pick that up as you read through the Old Testament. So in Jude chapter 1, and there's only one chapter, verse 19, an interesting statement, he says, these be they, when it talks about false teachers, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Now, in the, in the 50s and 60s, you could, go to, you could go to an Episcopal church, a Lutheran church, a Methodist church, a Presbyterian church, or a Baptist church, a Southern Baptist church, an Independent Baptist church, and you would hear about all the same music. Now, you all been there. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Episcopalian, Lutheran. The, these are the liberal denominations, Methodist, Methodist U, Presbyterian U.S., Presbyterian USA, and back, you would hear almost all the same kind of music. It was spiritual songs and hymns that they would sing to the Lord. You could go almost anywhere in the United States, probably almost anywhere in the world at that time, and then there was a birth of a new kind of music in the 50s. You remember who that is, right? Nothing but a hound dog music. And the devil used... Elvis Presley, to make it famous. And he used to sing in church. And so he used those people and so many other people and began to bring the music out, and it took over. I mean, it ran over all the barriers that were put up. It ran over all the sermons that were preached against it. It ran over everything that was put up to try to stop it. just ran completely over that, conquered the world. That's the music of the world. Rock and roll music is the music of the world. Now, I'm not talking about words. You heard a song is, our, is a melody put to, with a poem. Music in and by itself is what I'm talking about. I'm talking the music itself. Obviously, rock and roll music is beat-driven music. The beat appeals to what? Your spirit or your flesh? You take a three-year-old kid, play rock and roll music, and he'll start dancing. He never was taught to dance. He don't know about dancing, but his flesh responds to the music. Dance to the music. And it responds to the flesh. They are that are of the flesh cannot please God. We like the flesh. We nurture the flesh because we're beings of the flesh. I mean, the flesh, I'm not just speaking of your body. I'm speaking of the carnality of your body. And so he talks about false prophets in the context of this verse, and I didn't give you the context except for that. You can look it up. They, they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. These people who have brought this rock music into the worship of God are sensual. Now, I don't mean sexual. That People mix those two terms up. It means sensual. means they observe the senses more than any. Their senses mean a lot to them. They, they want, people say, I can't go to your church. Man, I just want to sleep through the music service. It just, it just I don't have any pop, don't have any drive, don't have any beat. And consequently, they call this church, these beat people, and these are the beat people. They're the churches with the beat rock and roll, are sensually minded, having not the spirit. Now notice the accusation there. Because the spirit rejects sensuality. 
The spirit rejects sensuality. You can take that any way you want to take it. And so they call our church the no-beat church. Obviously, all, all music's got beat. They got 4-4 four, four beat. They got timing. They call it timing. You got 3-4, uh, you know, 6-8, all this. Music's got, got all music. You get him up here, one, two. You see him with his violin and his daughter, one, two, three, four. He's setting the beat. He's setting the pace of the music. But we're talking driving beat. We're talking rock and roll is so different from all other music because it has a dominance of beat. Beat is not subject, subjected to the lower place. It's subjected to the first place of the music. And as you, when you hear it, you, I mean, you walk in, you boom, that's rock. Well, what's Romans say about appealing to the flesh? Because carnal mind is enmity, that's the fleshly mind, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so then they that in flesh cannot please God. Like I said before, now that's all the time I'm going to give that. Because this is, if you want more, there's much, there's good books that have been well done and studied. PhDs in music, they know music front, back, sideways. In fact, this one book has a husband and wife PhD, both in music, wrote a book about this, explaining what I'm trying to, what I'm having such trouble explaining. And they do such a much better job than I am. If you want to, if you really want to know it, there's things out there, well done, thought out, edited, that'll make sure you can find more about it. But most of the time, people don't have to be educated much in this area. They can walk in and say, that's not for me. I can try, I, I've tried to go to those places that play those, that music, and I cannot, I, I cannot. We visited one up in uh, Prince Rupert. We went to church in Prince Rupert, Canada, which is almost by Canada, or almost by Alaska. And so a bunch of us, I forgot who it was, went, Mark. Was that Mark? Did Mark go with us that day? Well, I don't remember, but we went, and we walked in this, supposed to be a fundamental church. It used to be a fundamental Bible-believing church, so we thought we were going to have a good service. We went to a small church. And it was full of uh, young people. Well, that was different. Full of young people. And mostly women. And that was, but then when I looked up front, I saw a set of drums, three mics, and, a, and the preacher came out in a t-shirt and jeans. I played in a rock band when I was a kid. I mean, this is right up my alley. I was a, he, he played the guitar. You have lead guitar and rhythm guitar, and you got the drums and the bass guy. They all came out, rock and roll band, and started singing. And the girls in front of us started doing the back and forth thing, which, I mean, you know. I looked at, I looked at Bob, and I go, this is not worship. This is not worship. This is appealing to the flesh. So one of, one of the divine lies is that you can use the world's music to worship God. You may not agree with me. It's okay. It's okay. But prove me wrong. Go to the Bible and prove me wrong. So a woman can preach and teach men. Teach two men. <laughs> teach men. We're getting ready to have a man-up conference. What about how many women are there on... How many women are, are there today on the Internet that have large churches that they're the preachers of? Man, number one, Joyce Myers. She's probably the biggest. But you have women after woman after woman in direct violation of what the Bible says. You say, where's that? Well, here it is. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. 
That makes a feminist squeal, run out, and yell at the moon. I didn't write it. That was written 2,000 years ago. But I suffer, I permit not, as the word suffer means, I permit not a woman or suffer a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Wow. Girls, this isn't modern. This is Bible. You say, I believe John 3.16. Well, you better believe that too, because it's the same book. For the Adam was first formed, then Eve. He's going to tell you why that is. Adam was made and given dominion over the whole earth. Eve was taken from Adam to be his helpmate. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in a transgression. And because she believed the devil, I do not believe that, from what I can read and study, Adam never believed the devil. His wife believed the devil. And he took of it. People say, if you'd have seen Eve, you'd have took the fruit too. I probably would have. But he took of it. But it, the responsibility, obviously, uh, she was deceived, and that bothered God. And he said, We're not, you're not gonna, I'm not going to put her in leadership. She's, my, Adam, who I first created, is going to be in leadership. And then she's going to be subjected and subject or under the leadership of Adam. And so that's really the way the world's been run ever since then till now. It has been a man's world. It's been a man's world. It is a man's world. There's never going to be other, any other world but a man's world. But I'm not real proud of the world. How about you? Men have really messed up. I'm not saying we've done all that well, but men have messed up. Wicked men of what we're seeing over there right now in, in Israel. That's a man-driven thing. The Hamas is a man-driven thing. It's a man-driven hate. Fifth. Divine lie that I find in, in today that we need to be aware of because he said that's what, that's what the problem was when Israel went bad. They had all these lies that they believed to be true. Tongues is some unknown heavenly language. Now in the 70s, the tongues movement came up, seemed like out of nowhere, and swept across America, divided all kinds of churches. It was also woman-driven Women driven, it was typically typically woman driven, and it was false teaching about speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. Here's what the Bible says, Acts 2 4. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And how we how is in verse 8 it says that they asked the question, How hear we every man in his own tongue wherein we were born? The word tongue. Interesting word, the word dialectos in Greek is dialect. It means your mother tongue. So, and it was interesting, there were 17 different languages heard Peter preach. Now, what language did Peter preach in? He probably preached in a language he always spoke. It could have been Aramaic. It could have been some Hebrew. But whatever language they spoke every day, that's the that's language old Peter preached in. God took him miraculously in the hearer and let them hear it in their own mother tongue, their dialect that their mama talked to them in. The act, you know, like Creole or whatever, whatever you're, however, if you've been raised in Louisiana, talk like Louisiana talk. If you've been raised in North Carolina, be like your mama talked in North Carolina. If you've been raised in, uh, in, in uh, North Dakota, it'd be like your mama talked in North Dakota, however they talk up in North Dakota. You with me? 
your mother tongue. That is an outstanding miracle. What do you think? That's Bible tongues. That's Bible tongues. All that stuff about gibber, jabber, wanting to talk. Let me say there's been, again, I have so much material on this, i got to watch myself. They've done linguistic studies of so-called speaking in tongues. There's only like five sounds. Anybody that I've ever been able to read about has done a linguistic study on speaking people speaking in tongues. They only have five, five sounds that reoccur in different combination. Now, that's a lot. But you cannot have a language without 30 sounds. So it's not a language. It's not a heavenly language. God forbid it's a heavenly language. You're dumbing down the angels. And so it's just, it's, it really was a cause of deception. It's, it's settled down now. It seems to be faded out much more than it was. But one time it was raging in the 70s. Was, the whole subject of this speaking in tongues. They say, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Show me that in the book. There were, a lot of, there were a lot of warning signs when this tongues movement came up. First, it was women-driven. I just got done telling you women should not teach or use their authority over man. So right away, people that knew the Bible, and when they realized the women were driving it, there was all kinds of alarms going off. Bing, 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 bing. This is women-driven. There's something wrong with this. If it's of God, it'll be man-driven. And they would, they would split a church and take a lot of the people off and start a new church. And the, who are those people? First Assembly of God, Church of God. Uh, those are the major groups in the Pentecostal movement. There's many other names or subnames off of them groups. Now, are they saved? I believe the people are saved, but I believe they're being dis in disobedience. The same kind of problem that Israel was having. They were off into disobedience, and God judged them. You've read the books. First Corinthians 14, 9 says, Yet in the church I'd rather speak five words which my, with my understanding. This is Paul. Then that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. The word tongue, you can translate language every time you see it. It's perfectly fine. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, or language for a sign, a special, a special gift, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying, serveth, prophesying that's preaching, not for them that believe, but for them believe, not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Okay, that's pretty straight up and down. Peter and the apostles were told to go in the world and preach a gospel to every creature. The world. They didn't have time to learn language. They didn't have time to go to language school. They didn't have time to get all that under their belt and go out. They'd have never done it. But what God done in the first century, the early church, when it went out and began to spread out throughout the world, he facilitated them people in spreading the gospel because they could preach, man, would I have loved that gift when I went to Haiti. I, I'm in a, uh, a Pentecostal uh, minister and his wife in Haiti. He'd been there a while. And they were, uh, I think they'd been there two or three years. And I, they were from a real well-known Pentecostal preacher. And I said to him, I said, I've got to ask you this question. Do you have the gift of tongues, and can you speak, and they understand you? And they said, oh, no, we've got to go to, we gotta go to uh, school. We've got to go to language school. It takes about three, four years to be able to get pretty good at the language. You don't get great at it, but you can speak it in three, four years. We can speak the language. But he said, we don't learn the language. We can't. They don't understand us. I said, well, then you don't have the gift of the Bible. You speak in tongues. Oh, we all we speak in tongues. We speak in tongues. We have big tongue service. 
What good is that? Nobody knows what you're saying. God's practical. Number six, divine lie. God wants you healthy and wealthy. Philippians, this is just some proof text. For unto us has given on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. This is a gift given to you by God that you can suffer for his sake. 1 Peter 4.19 is another one. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him, then well-doing as unto a faithful creator. There's some more. But I didn't go over it. Again, this have to be, there's so much on the suffering. You, it is ludicrous. If you've read the Bible, it's ludicrous to say that God wants you healthy and wealthy. If you've read the Bible. Why does this preacher push you reading the Bible so much? So that you know what I'm talking about is true. Or false. If I get up here and say something false, go to the book, come on, my, come, get in my, come on my, in my office and show me where I've made my mistake and I'm open for correction. I've had people do it. Come on in. We'll look at the Bible. Because I want you to be educated. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to be able to go to the book and make a case for what's, what the Bible says on stuff. Right? I mean, that's the way you should want people. If you love them, that's what you want. You want your children to grow up, or do you always want them to be babies? Well, let me tell you, who's easier to live with, a 3-year-old or an 18-year-old? Uh, don't say it. Don't say it. A 3-year-old is hard to be around. I mean, they are constantly, they're constantly, you're not there yet. You don't, you don't know what, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. You don't have no 18-year-old. Uh, yeah, 18 in here. Okay, there's exceptions to this. But typically, you may around three-year-old, you've got to watch them. They're going to run out in front of a car. They eat. They have a circle about this big of filth. Uh, you've got to bathe them. You've got to clean their little butt. You've got to do all this. Other. Now, you don't do that to an 18-year-old. They feed themselves. They dress themselves. They, they, hey, if they run out in front of a car, it's on purpose. You know where I'm coming from. I'm the rule of the thing. And God doesn't want you to stay the three-year-old. He wants you to grow up. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's what a preacher should want for his people. You want to grow up and read the Bible. Want to get to know it. Want to be able to hear error when it's out taught. Want to be able to hear truth when it's taught. Because ultimately, nobody's going to be standing with you in front of the judgment seat of Christ but you. Mama, daddy, preacher, deacon, wife, just you are going to answer for the things done in your body, whether it be good or bad. So you are going to be held accountable. You are going to be talked about, nobody else. And so that's why. But Israel fell because of all these divine lies that they had been, and it was preachers were, the leadership was the guilty party, by the way. So the seventh thing, and now this is going to be the last one for tonight. The seventh thing we find as a divine light in our day, we should cooperate with disobedient brothers. What, what do you do with a brother, somebody that calls themselves a brother? I mean, you're not going to dispute. You and I can't get in somebody's heart and tell whether they're saved or not. Do you all agree with that? Can you tell where somebody's saved or not really? All the other 
apostles didn't know Judas wasn't saved. Only Jesus knew Judas wasn't saved. And let me tell you, Jesus is the only one who knows who's saved and who's not saved. You may think you're a fruit inspector and all that other stuff I've heard, but you cannot tell whether somebody's born from above. I think you'd be surprised who was and who isn't. You're not able to tell visually. You're able to guess. You're given some information. You know, if it looks like a dog and barks like a dog and acts like a dog, probably it's a dog. So what do you do with a brother, so-called brother? It says he's a brother, but he's disobedient to the Word of God. He goes outside of the Word of God, blatantly outside of the Word of God. What do you do? Here's what the Bible says. I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine, the teaching which ye have learned, and put your arms around them, hug them, kiss them, so that they get right with God. That's what I hear over and over again. Well, we wouldn't love on these people. They're never going to get saved. Homosexuals are never going to get saved if they don't know that homosexuality is an abomination to God and wicked and they need to turn from it. Now, you don't have to be mean, but you need to tell them the truth. Immoral people are never going to go to heaven if they keep practicing immorality. And if somebody doesn't warn, well, Ezekiel 3, Ezekiel 33 says, if you do not warn the wicked of his wicked way, when he dies, he'll die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. Why? Because you didn't tell him it was wrong. Our obligation is to tell people the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help us God. Tell them it's wrong. You can do it in love. You can do it with sweet attitude. You can do it. You can do it like Vera Johnson, or you can do it Vera Jensen, or you can do it like me. I think you need both. I think you need them old hellfire damnation preachers telling the truth, and I think you need them sweet people, you know, telling them the truth. Romans six eighteen for they are such as serve not our Lord Jesus, but their own belly by their good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple, the, the ignorant. It says in Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. 1 Corinthians 5.11, this is a man that was in a wicked sin in the church of Corinth, and they weren't doing anything about it. Paul wrote him and said, whoa. He says, but, I've now, but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called the brother. Is he a brother? I don't know, but he calls himself a brother. Be a fornicator, that's immoral, covetous, idolater, railer, drunkard, extortioner, and, and you could go on with the list, I believe. It, was, it says with such, which means etc. With such and no one no and, and and one no not to eat. Basically, don't eat with them, don't fellowship with them, don't hoochie coochie, don't lovey dovey. They're in they've had the opportunity to know God, they've had the opportunity to know Jesus, they've had the opportunity to know the Bible, they have turned away from it, they're in open disobedience. Is that clear or not? For what have I to do to judge them that are without? Do not we judge them that are within? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about cleaning house. Now, know ye not that we shall judge angels how much more things that pertain to this life. And really, that's contextually in, in order there. Okay. So, 
So uh, when my brother, I'll give you an example of my own brother. My brother and I are best friends of life, life best friends. We vacationed together for 35 years. My brother went into immorality. As a, as a born-again believer, as far as I knew, he still called the brother, born again, he went into immorality. Well, how did I react to that? Well, I went to him and I said, don't do this, stop. This is crazy. Don't do it. I spent hours talking with him, trying to talk him out of going that way. Don't do it. Don't do it. He dumped his wife for 34 years and married some young girl. I said, Jimmy, I can't have no, nothing more to do with you. We used to eat together all the time. I can't eat with you. I can't go anywhere with you. I don't want to re really want to talk to you. I'm not doing the silent treatment. I'm just trying to obey the Bible. Not to keep company. We used to go fishing together. Lobstering together. No, that's all over. Everything's over. Because the choice you made to commit adultery, I can't touch you. Until you repent of that. Now, you can repent. This guy in Corinthians, if you read through all of it, he repented and the church accepted him back in. But at this point, in this stage where he wrote this, he had not repented yet. And, they, and basically he was rebuking the church at Corinth for allowing him to be part of their, part of their fellowship because he was, said he was a believer and, had, and was doing this and hadn't repented. Now that's not easy. Trust me when I tell you, what I did to my brother was one of the hardest things I ever did in my life. It's horrible. But who, who, do, who do I want to be loyal to? Me or Jesus? I just believe if the Bible says it, I want to do it. If it hurts me, I want to do it. If it devastates you, I still want to do it. Because I just believe God knows something I don't know, and he's smarter than I am, and I don't have to have a whole lot more reasoning than just what it says for face value. Somehow or another, and really, I don't, I don't have time to go into this, but the idea behind all this is that they're ashamed because you've had to separate from them. They get ashamed of what they did, and they repent. That's the idea. Now, recently, my brother has repented. He's come over to my house in tears. And deeply repented over and over again. He's mentioned that he was wicked and he was vile and he was wrong. And that's the kind of words that he needs to say. That's the kind of words he's got to say. I don't want him to see God in the shape he was in. Yeah. And so that's what that's about. I'm going to stop here because this is pretty lengthy here. That many, many speak divine lies. Who's doing this? Is this, a, this is all over the place. These divine lies, these 15 divine lies are just a token, really, of some of the many divine lies that are out there. But it's time, and maybe, maybe independent fundamental Baptists are one of the few groups of people that will just speak the truth in love. Many groups have toned the thing down and afraid of offending people to the place. I heard John MacArthur say the other day, the Bible is offensive. Of course I offend people. He says, I offend people all the time because I use the Bible. If I use the Bible and the Bible's offensive, it makes sense that I'm offensive. 
He said, no, I don't want to offend people. I'm not trying to offend people. I'm trying to see them get saved and go to heaven. But he said, if you're going to say much about the Bible or going to believe the Bible, you're definitely going to offend people. I don't want to offend people, but I want to be truthful to God. Someday I'm going to stand before him and answer for all the words that I've spoken. Man, that's going to be big, huh, preacher? But you're not going to answer for all the words we spoke. Wow. That's why I want to be careful to speak the right words. <laughs> Make sure what I say is true. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you for the study on divine lives. Help us to not be naive. Help us to not be deceived. Help us to grow in grace. Trusting that your way is the best way. In Jesus' name. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.